Last week, God flipped our world upside down in this church. Amen? And he did some amazing, mighty things through the, the salvation that was called unto others' hearts. But I believe that he did some amazing, mighty things in every single one of you um, as you chose to flip the focus. And uh, God has continued to challenge me. How many of you have been faced with things this week that have caused you to have to say, flip the focus? Like, I'm for real, got to flip the focus. How many of you, before you came in here this morning, had to flip your focus? Right? Amen. It, it, is, uh, it is not for lack of determination, right? You have to be determined to do so in your life. And nobody can do it for you. You know, have you ever had somebody try to uh, tell you, you know, when you're frustrated or you got yourself going and people are trying to tell you calm down and you're like, I am calm. You know what I'm saying? And you're not calm. But nobody can make you be calm. It, it's right here. You have to flip your focus to turn the atmosphere upside down and around so that the glory of God can reign in your life. Amen? Amen. I know that uh, many of you have probably told the enemy that I am determined to keep my perspective on God and break the cycles. I refuse to forfeit the treasure God has buried in my trial. Right? Because there is treasure in your trial. And I believe that as we keep going these next several weeks, that God's going to continue to unfold the treasures of his goodness and his glory to you if you so choose to allow him to. It's up to you. So we're going to continue to flip the focus. But not only does God want us to flip our focus. Can you say that with me? Flip the focus. Okay, let's try that one more time. Flip the focus. But he wants to turn us inside out. He wants to turn us inside out. We have to flip our focus, but then he wants to turn us inside out. And you're like, Pastor Jen, you, you got me every which way and sideways. No, I don't. He does. He wants to do that with you. He wants to rearrange you. Reorder you. He wants to redirect you. And he wants to get us to a place of saying, my position is no longer in myself, but it is in Christ. My position that I take in life is not in myself. It's not what I can do. It's not what I can be. It's not the talents that he's given me. It's not the good things about me. It's not all the stuff that I can um, have in my conduct. My position is in Christ. Everybody say that with me. In Christ. My position is in Christ. And God began to speak to me about the cycles in our life because, you know, cycles aren't broken overnight, right? You don't just break a cycle. But, you know, it's not like the washing machine when you can turn off the rinse or whatever cycle that it's in and just restart it. Our lives don't work like that. It would be nice, right, if God could, there was just a reset button to, hey, can I get an extra rinse? <laughs> right? It'd be nice to have that in our lives, but that's not how it works. You have to continually work daily in your salvation to break the cycles that you so desire to be broken and at, that God wants to be broken in your life. You have to work at it. Amen. How many in the room can honestly say, I like work? Uh, right? It's not the best fun to go do, but in, in reality, I do like working at things. Like, 
working in the garden or working on other things. You know, that kind of stuff. I know everybody, like, you may not like your job. We talked about that last week, but you just got to flip your focus till you like it. Okay? That's the, that's the goal. But when we work at something, how many of, like the, of you like the benefits of working on something and you see the results? Right? That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to continue to keep going until we see results. And that may not be the fullness of it therein until we get to heaven. We may not see the fullness of it. But when we get there, all I know is I'm going to be thankful for Christ to have told me, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Amen? But you ain't going to hear that if you ain't done no work. The cycles in your life cannot be made new until you fully get in. Let me say that again. The cycles in your life cannot be made new until you fully get in. Get into what? Well, let's go to 2 Corinthians 5, chapter, chapter 5, verses 14 through 17. And the Amplified Version is what I'm reading out. But if you got your word, say amen. amen. Let's turn with me there or scroll with me there or push a button with me there. I don't care where you go. Just get there in your word. It says this, for the love of God, of Christ, controls and compels us because we have concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that all those who live would no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for their sake. So from now on, we regard no one from a human point of view according to worldly standards and values. That's important right now. We talked about if you wanted to change, that your perspective has to change for your position to change. Amen? So if I want to be viewed by the Spirit of God, I have to live by the Spirit of God, which means my perspective has to change from how the world does it to move to how God does it. Right? Okay? Though we have known Christ from a human point of view, okay, we only know God from what we know right here in the fleshly realm, okay, but we no longer know him this way. Therefore, everybody say, therefore. therefore. Oh, come on, say it again. Therefore. therefore. If anyone is in... What? If anyone is in Christ, that's a lot. That's, that one little word says a lot right there. If anyone is in Christ, what did I say? The cycles in your life cannot be made new until you fully get in. If anyone is in Christ, that is grafted in, joined to him by faith in. There's a lot of ins right there. As Savior, he is a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition, have passed away. Behold, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings a new life. Somebody say, I'm awake. You have to be awake to see, right? If you sleep all the time, your eyes are closed, you don't see the truth. And God's trying to say, I want you to be awake. I want you to see. 
I want you to be open to change your perspective so I can change your position. But the only way you can fully change is by getting in. The only possibility of understanding the teaching of Jesus is by the light of the spirit of God on the inside. By what God reveals to you in here. The only way we can understand any of this teaching is for God to reveal it in here. And what's crazy is when we give our hearts to the Lord, we ask him to come into our heart, right? We ask him to come in and change our lives and the way we live and create us into something new, right? And when we do that, God comes in, he washes away our sins. And in that instant, he begins to give you new life. You're reborn. But just like Hannah and Tyree have a little baby that's here brand new, that child was born fresh and new, a baby. But she had to be brought into the home. And then she will have to be brought into their family structure and what they do. And as she goes along in life, she will continue to have to be in the will of God within their home, their standards. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not just like, oh, I have a baby and it's good. No, there's a lot of things to do within that process. And God's trying to teach us that he wants us to get in to him. See, it's great that we ask God to come into our lives because he needs to come into here to change things. But the problem we have is going from this moment to a true lifestyle with God. God didn't just come to live to, into our lives to conform to our lifestyle. See, we think, oh, God, come into my heart. And then what happens is as we move along in our lives, and some of you are thinking, Pastor Jen, where are you going? Because I've lived for God, and I've already asked him into my heart. Well, that's great, but I want to ask you something. Are you still asking him to conform to you, or are you conforming to him? Because the only way we conform to God is by after he comes in here is giving him all of us so we can conform to him. We have to ask him in to jump in to him. This is just the starting place. And some of you are like, man, I I'm telling you this. When I saw that, we read it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ. And I thought about it for myself. And I was like, man, God, how many times have I wondered why things haven't really worked out? Maybe because I'm trying to get you to conform because I know you live in me. So in me, I want you to do what I want to do in my will instead of me saying, but God, I surrender to you and in you, to your will, I conform. Did not Christ do that when he was in the garden? He said, not my will, but your will be done. And into my, your hands I commit my spirit. Your hands. Into. And the key word in all of this is in. We've all heard the saying, what goes in comes out. Right? What you eat, what goes in comes out. <laughs> what you watch, what goes in comes out. What you hear, what comes in, goes out. It's just that simple. The friends, the people that you're around, what you entertain comes in, goes out. It's a simple saying. We've heard it for a long time. But it's true in so many areas of our lives. 
And if we choose to live in the kingdom principles of God, then God will in turn use us to create kingdom culture around us. When we choose to go in, if God can, if I keep a continual inpouring of God in my life, what happens is I begin to become rooted and stable in him. Right? Just because I ask God into my heart means I still have to work at keeping him in there, and then I have to work at staying in him. So I daily have to pick up my word. I daily have to pray. I daily have to refocus. I daily have to flip my focus onto what God wants to be done so that I continually stay in who he is. The culture around you should never change the culture of God within you. The culture around you should never change the culture of God within you. It should always be the opposite way around. That's why I'm talking that God wants to turn us inside out because what is on the inside should shake what's on the outside. If I'm in God then what I'm in changes the outside. And, and I'm just going to tell you something. How many of you know if you have a bad day and things are going and you're frustrated that what's in there is going to come out and it's going to change the atmosphere if you allow it? How many of you can honestly say, I have changed the atmosphere for a negative at times because of what I've had inside? And most of the time, it's only been, if I was really honest, because I wanted God to conform to what I wanted at that moment. Instead of really conforming to what he was and staying in him. See, the only way you can make it through every day is by, by being in God. By following what he has for you. He wants you to stay in. And that's why we call it living inside out. Because you on the inside should change you on the outside, which reflects to the inside of somebody else and changes them on the outside. The word in is a prepositional word. Preposition, we're going to language arts 101 right here this morning. But if we are, I'm, I'm just going to be honest, if we are illiterate to understand what we're doing, we will never be able to understand this. The word in is a prepositional word. Preposition. A preposition is a word, an almost always very small, very common word, that shows direction, location, or time, and introduces an object. Okay, it's almost always a small word, very small word. It's very common and shows direction, location, or time, and introduces an object. And I heard God say this. We were meant to introduce God to the world around us. To do so, we have to become very small and common to man so that they can be directed to him as the true object of our affections and, and our lives as we live. But being common to man is not about placing yourself in situations that creates you to sin. It's about finding common ground with others that creates relationship and leads them directly to God. Good. Your life should be a preposition to God. Yeah, yeah. 
Your life, if you truly are in God, should be one that as a preposition prepares the way for the object of the lesson. It's trying to tell people that I'm in, when I'm in God, that means I become small. When I'm in God, I will become all things to all men so that they may see the glory of God. When I'm in God, it means that I am in his time, not yours. When I'm in God, it means that I am located right in the center of his will. When I'm in God, I, my life introduces him every day to all who are around me. He's the object, not me. I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but you are not the object of the lesson. You aren't. The things that you're going through right now, the reason you have to flip your focus is so that the true object of the lesson can be learned, which is Christ. And your life as a preposition reveals him. It directs it to him. The word in is used as a function word. To indicate inclusion, location, or position within limits, it's used as a function word to indicate purpose. It also means to be near or close quarters, on good terms, specified relation to, possession, or control. To be used instrumentally, a position of assured and definitive success. The only way that you can have definitive success, the only way God can use you instrumentally is when you choose to be the little in in the process. I want to get in God. Not, oh God, come into me. Look at me. No, he did come into you. Now you jump into him and his lifestyle and follow him. It says follow me, not I'm following you. Follow me. And I know this is simple, but this has blown my mind because in all my life, you know, we look at God as once saved, always saved. Some people do, or we come back and we repeat the cycles of coming to the altar and I want to give my life to Christ. Do you know you wouldn't repeat cycles if you would just get in? In. In. You don't have to do anything else. He didn't say who, what, when, where, or why. Just I in. Get in. Just get in. And I came to ask the question today, is anyone in this room in Christ? Are you in him? Do your lifestyles say otherwise? Do the way you live say otherwise? Does it track with God's word? See, your lifestyle should track with this right here. Should follow along with it. And others should be able to see that, the ebb and flow of Christ in your life, being in. When we live in Christ, our total character and mannerisms begin to change. 2 Corinthians 2, 2 through 5 says it this way. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was taken, I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit 
and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. What he's trying to say is pretty much, I am not eloquent. I'm not really equipped to do all of this. I didn't come to you trying to be the best of the best and hope that you would see me. No, I came so that the spirit of God that I'm in and is within me and I live my life in would be seen without me through all people so that you wouldn't look towards men but towards the power of God in your life. And in this passage, you can see that Paul's whole soul and mind were taken up with the greater matter of what Christ came to do. And he never lost sight of it. Paul was more concerned with the matter of Christ than he was anything else in his life. When we dive ourselves into kingdom matters, it changes the entire manner of our lives. When we dive ourselves into kingdom matters, it changes the entire manner of our lives. The mannerisms that come out of you are the outcome of the matters that you place yourself into. The mannerisms that come out of you are the outcome of the matters that you place yourself into in life. You have to ask yourself, what matters the most? Have you ever had something going on in your life and somebody's looked at you and they're like, what is the matter with you? Maybe stop looking at how you're responding and look at what you're giving your attention to and it would probably change your response. If the matter is greater than God, then your mannerisms will only show what that is the way you respond, the things that you do. But if Christ is the greatest matter in your life, the greatest thing that you put your life into, then your mannerisms will show it. A manner is the way in which a thing is done or happens, a person's outward way of behaving towards others. Specific manners create specific mannerisms. A mannerism is a habitual or characteristic mode way or style of doing something. It's excessive use of some dis something distinctive. Often affected manner is speech or behavior. I want you to just, just reflect for a minute. Do my daily mannerisms in my speech and my behavior reflect that God is the true matter of my life? The way that I do things, the little things. I'm talking about the constant eye rolls or, or sighs, not a sigh of like relief. And I'm not talking about an even sigh or a groan of maybe some pain because we talked about that before, that God knows even the very groan in the pains when you pray. But I'm just talking about your mannerisms of like everything is irritating to you. You can constantly see in the raised eyebrow. You can constantly see in the way that you carry yourself. Like, have you ever heard or know somebody when you see them coming and you see how they are withholding themselves the mannerisms, you're going, uh-oh. Everybody, just stay out the way. And you feel like you're walking on eggshells around people like that. 
But you have to ask yourself, in my Christianity and the way that I live, do I cause other people around me to feel like they have to walk on eggshells because of the exemplification that I'm giving to them of who God is? What does my life reflect to them? What does it show them? Cycles are created by the manner in which you conduct yourself and the mannerisms in which you respond to the circumstances around you. That's how cycles are created. You have to break the habits to break the cycle. Break the habit, break the cycle. Come on, say it with me. Break the habit, break the cycle. You will never get a different result by doing the same thing over and over and over. Guess what that's called? Insanity. It makes no sense. And let's be honest, there is a lot of insanity in our world. But God said, I have come to give you a sound mind. And if you are sound in here, that means that you are sound in here, which means then you can be sound here and sound out here and the things you do. But if you want to break the cycle, you got to break your habits, right? And, and, and let's go simple. That's like somebody who says, I want to quit smoking. Okay, we'll just go simple. I quit smoking a long time ago, so I'm just coming from my perspective. But if I quit smoking, but I kept a pack of cigarettes in my pocket, how's that going to help me? How's that make any sense? If I, if I keep the things around me, if I literally have a problem with listening to music I shouldn't listen to, how does it make sense that all my presets on my radio station or my satellite FM or on my Spotify are still my old playlist that I used to listen to? How do I break the cycle? You have to clear it out. You have to delete. some. And, and I know this is hard, but I believe that we've lost the function of control-alt-delete. We've just copy and pasted <laughs> Cut, copy, paste. I'm going to cut this out, but I'm going to paste it over here, God, so if I need it later, I still got it in my memory bank to fall back on. Because for some weird reason, I'm insane enough to believe that what didn't work before might work sometime. It is okay to be to a place of control, alt, delete. It is okay to quit things cold turkey. Well, I got to ease into it. Well, the more you ease into it is the more you're going to please into it with yourself instead of please into what God wants to do. It's like somebody who has a problem with alcohol and drinking and keeps all their bottles in their house tucked upside in a back cabinet. Well, it's just in the back cabinet. So is your sin still in the back cabinet. You have to. You have to go inside out. If I turn, I don't have pockets. Well, I do, but they have nothing in them. But if I was up here and I had jeans on and I flipped all my pockets inside out, everything that was in them would fall out, right? Everything that's inside of them would fall out. There would be no room. Pastor Brandon, come here for a second. I 
don't even know what's in your pockets, but just flip them inside out for a minute for me. Can you? Can you do that? Oh, hi. Well, I'll pick that up. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. But look, it's all on the ground, right? It's all here. Even, even, even any lint, we got to get down here. We got to get all that, you know, all that residue out. Right? Oh, you got a Ricola wrapper in there. Something, right? But, but if you look at this, right? If, if I were to flip myself inside out like this and allow God to do this to me, I can't pick up my old things and restuff them in. There's no way. I can't put it back inside those pockets. I can't, I can't do it. I can't hide it. There's no room for it. This is what God's wanting to do, to do in you. He's wanting you to flip your focus so he can flip you inside out. So you have no room to put the world inside of you anymore. But so that what he's already put in you of himself is lived on the outside. It's just simple. Oh, I better, I, I haven't gone, I have, I've gone like, I've gone a week without you know, gambling, and I just got to do that, even though I lost my money, and I've been praying, God, that you give me money, but, you know, maybe I'll just win that jackpot. <laughs> Proper demonstration right here, right? But the fact of it is, is that you cannot live. See, God, God's trying to tell you, don't worry about what the outside looks like. Don't try to shove your pockets in so the world looks as you as acceptable, that you got to wear your uh, spiritual pants this way. you got to live the way that I've created you to be, which is inside out. You're not of this. You're in this world, but you're not of it. But why do you live like you are? You're good, babe. Thanks for being my example. Don't feel guilty to put your pockets back in. <laughs> and I'll pick this up because I know you're back. <laughs> I'll give you money back. It's, it's all mine anyways. It doesn't matter still. <laughs> <laughs> now, nah, we, we do things together. What's mine is his and what's his is mine. That's how God created us. We've always been like that. And uh, he takes care of me. I take care of him. And that's how we live. But the fact of it is, is that in that simple illustration, maybe you need to flip your pockets out. Open up the drawers and the things that are in your life that are hiding things down in there that God wants to flip inside out. Clean it out. And once and for all, and don't make it a space that can carry sin again. You have to break the habits to break the cycle. And the only way you can do it is by placing yourself in God. When we place ourselves in God, we're giving him full control to position us within his limitations for what we partake of in the world around us and to indicate our purpose to us. Choosing to live in God and not just him living in you is choosing to continually be near to him and live in close quarters with him. This places you on good terms with him and in specific relation to him to be used instrumentally for definitive success of his kingdom on earth. That's what happens when you're in God. Whatever matters... Take the highest priority in your life will always be seen in the mannerisms of how you live. Yeah. 
Whatever matters on this earth in your life, take highest priority, will always be seen in the mannerisms of how you live. And I'm just going to say this. God is tired of compromise. He's tired of compromise. And you can't pretend with God. Because if you do pretend with him, the only one you're fooling is yourself. You aren't fooling anybody else. And I read something last night. And Pastor John and I were talking back and forth through text. Because there was just this scripture and what was sent. And I said, I would rather be lost in God. I would rather seek God and be lost in him than lose him and have to be searching for him. I would rather be lost in God and his purposes and be seeking him daily than be lost searching for him in my life. And when you don't allow him to flip you inside out, there are areas of your life that you are still lost in because you have not placed those areas fully into his control. You have not given him that area of your life. And until you do, you will still be lost in that area. And you will not see a return. You will see perpetual cycles that will continue to keep going until you break the habit. See, God's tired of compromise. He's asking for more in 2024. I'm just telling you, I've heard it and I've heard it. We will repeat it. He is asking more of you in 2024. The habits you create on the outside of your life are a direct picture of the nearness of God on the inside of your life. The habits that you create on the outside of your life are a direct picture of the nearness of God on the inside of your life. And, and, and it can be simple. I mean, let's look at it. How, how flippant are you with your words? Even the simple things. Uh, look, at, look at simple. Are you kind of, oh my God. Are you one who even says the words flippin' or freaking constantly? Those are not Christian cuss words. You know what I'm saying? If you really hear somebody talking like that, it, it just doesn't sound nice. I'm not saying, I mean, proud of you that you forgot four-letter words that are, it, I'm just telling you, if cuss words are the only thing that come out of your mouth, it shows how ignorant you are because they are four-letter words. There are bigger words in the dictionary to learn than that. Use them. You're way smarter. You have much more ability than to use that stuff. Most of the time when things happen to me and I get hurt, the kids can say, if I've had something or stubbed my toe, I'll say, hallelujah, praise Jesus, and I'm just leaning down. Does it feel good? Absolutely not. But I refuse to go back to my old pockets and pull out the old words that were habits of me saying, because guess what? When those pockets are empty, that's not the words that come out. And that's what I'm trying to say, little things. We were noticing, not to like bust my kids out or anything, but I'm, I'm going to and not in a bad way, but I'm just saying like I noticed that in, when they're playing video games, they were, you know, say, man, what the flip or I, that flipping thing. And I was like, came around the corner. I said, I don't care if it's a cuss word or if it's not. You say it again and soap is in the kitchen. 
I can't stand hearing it. I said, does God talk like if, how does that sound? How do you sound when you are doing things? When you are saying, oh my God, all the time, you're taking God's name in vain. And, and I'm not saying I don't have to work on things like that. Those are just habits that we create. What's sad is when we, re, we, when we cancel a sin out, what's funny is we replace it with what we think is an even lesser sin instead of just allowing God to just deal and not do it anymore. saying you're going to hell if you've said freaking or flipping. You're, I'm, I'm not that. I'm not saying that. What I'm trying to say is we have to quit compromising to cancel out one thing that is literally almost sounds like the other. Do you see what I'm saying? When Christ comes in you and you get in him, then your life becomes created around. That means your speech and your behavior and the way that you act. No longer will you have outbursts in anger when things don't go your way. It doesn't mean anger might not be trying to stir up, but you'll control yourself. You don't punch walls. You put your hands down. And guess what? If you have empty pockets, you can put your hands in your pocket because they're not full of sin. They're full of what God wants to do, and you can put your hands in your pockets. Do you see what I'm saying? Because when you have an open pocket for God, then look, he can cover the things that were sin. He wants you to place yourself in him. And he said this, he said, kingdom matters create kingdom manners. Kingdom matters create kingdom manners. If his kingdom is what really matters to me, then my mannerisms will prove it. And let me tell you what, you got to work on it every day. You have to flip your focus every day. You have to literally, when it comes up to you and you want to do little things that you know you shouldn't or just are not pleasing, you catch it, you flip it around, and you stop. And if others around you who have seen that, then when you're in God, you turn around and you say, I'm sorry that I even did such and such where you saw that because that wasn't a good characteristic of who I really am and who God is. Flip the focus. Live inside out. You cannot, and God said this to me, and this is, this is tough. But he said, you cannot just keep coming to the altar, asking God to come in and leave, not being fully willing to jump into him, yourself expecting change to happen. You cannot keep coming to this altar week after week, time after time. I'm, please hear me. I'm not saying don't come. But what I'm saying is don't come for the same thing over and over and over again. Because what happens is you are not true to your word. But when you come and you allow God to begin to do something in here, what happens is you are expectant of God to ask more of you when you leave. Which means he wants you to change and begin to flip your focus, begin to live inside out. Please don't get me wrong. So when I give an altar call or anything today, don't be afraid to come to the altar. I'm not looking at you because guess what? I'm not the God who changes you. All I'm trying to say is to repeat or to end repeating cycles. If you're still coming praying about the same thing, you have to ask God what you fully didn't give into in him to change it. Make a difference. He wants you to get in fully. 
Not just come up to the altar and put one foot in and one prayer and pray, oh, God, change me. Oh, do this. Oh, do that. And when you walk out, you put the same pants on that you walked into up here and you fill your pockets with the same things that you had when you came up here. He's trying to say, I have clothed you in a new mind. I have clothed you. Step out of your grave clothes and get into the new things. Don't you get tired of walking around with all those chains and all that baggage that just weighs you down? Then leave them in the place where God took them. Step out of it and walk in the path God is leading you now. He said temporary changes do not put a dent in an eternal outcome. Temporary changes do not put a dent in the eternal outcome. And this is, this is so tough because we do this often. But I heard the Holy Spirit say, quit living the life of a repeat offender who is more concerned with getting caught than truly being repentive. See, we can get mad at the things that we see on the news we can get mad when we see somebody who's repeated and done something as a repeat offender and they're not and the law's not doing its job and the justice system isn't doing its job. What about us who keep repeat offending God and that justice system works? So please tell me what's wrong. Please. Is it God or is it you? Because I know his justice and mercy and grace are good. They've been proven over and over. And his government that he puts over me is good. So yeah, we can be mad at all other things. But why not get mad enough at the enemy of your soul and tell him I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not going to compromise. I'm going to flip my focus. I'm going to change my point of view. And because of that, I am going to get in Christ fully and what he wants. Even if it's more of me, I'm going to give him every bit of it so that I can quit being a repeat offender. Not only for myself, but to others who are around me. I want to be repentive, truly. If we live in Christ, then we take on his manners and mannerisms in every aspect of our lives. When I flip the focus, I allow God to turn me inside out. The God that I live in on the inside of me will be the God that others see on the outside of me. What you put into something is what you get out of it. If I only give God part of me, I will in turn only serve him partially. If I give God only part of me, then I will in turn only serve him partially. God's, God's not asking for part-time em employers and servants or employees. He wants, he wants full-time servants who are willing to serve. Full-time. Let me ask you a question. Try living in a relationship you have like that in your, like this in your life and see how it works for you. Try putting part-time in your marriage and see how that works for you. Try putting part-time in your friendships and see how that works for you. Try putting part-time in your relationships with your siblings and your parents and see how that works for you. 
And I get they all have their choices, okay? That's, I'm not, I'm just saying you're responsible for you. When you're in Christ, you become a part of kingdom culture and your mannerism should be as such. When we take on the culture and the mannerisms of the world, we take ourselves out of the culture of Christ. When we take on the world, we take ourselves out of Christ. Not him out of you. You take yourselves out of that. You take yourselves out of the position. If your heart's cry is to truly see heaven come to earth, you must internally place yourselves in the eternal purposes of his kingdom. God already knows every part of you. And the purpose of living in him is so that you can get to know every part of him. He already knows every part of you. But you don't know every part of God. And in order for you to begin to get to know him, you have to live in him. And that's where heaven begins to come to earth. The more you live in Christ, it creates an upset in the heavenlies and causes God to move on your behalf. What is an upset? It's to change the usual or expected state or order of something in a way that it stops it from happening or working. How many of you know you need God to upset the heavens on your behalf to stop some things that are happening, right? Well, get yourselves in Christ fully and see what happens. Get in it. Just, just jump in. Be submerged. Be like that little kid who's not afraid to just jump in the pool, even when the water's cold, and you don't even think about it. You just get in. That's what God wants. See, the upset works in your favor because it changes the usual and expected state of the world around you and stops it in its tracks, flipping it inside out, causing the heavenlies to reveal themselves supernaturally. When you live inside out, it causes the heavens to move on your behalf. It causes the supernatural things to be revealed. We saw that through what happened with Travis. He chose to say, God, I'm going to do what I need to do. And now the supernatural began to be revealed. It, that's just one part. Not minimizing what happened there, Travis. That's powerful in your life. But how much more does God want? Something happens when you deny flesh and self to align yourself with the purposes of God. I want to give you just a couple examples of something that took place. These are very, very small, but I want you to understand. For me in my house, just for me per personally, I've really been pressing more and more into God. I have taken that, what he has said, he requires more of me in 2024, and I, I believe he's just begun what he's required of me. But I've made sure that his word is before me at all times, in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evenings, I've had people, did you see that on Facebook or I messaged you? I am so sorry. I even had to tell somebody, I'm so sorry. I thought I responded to you and two days later I didn't because I thought I hit sin because something happened and I got in my word and then I forgot to hit it. Not that I don't care about you. Listen to me. But the more I care about him, the more I can care about you in the right way. Not just because I scroll and see this stuff or can hear all the things. No, because uh, my prayers and my, my thoughts are focused on what his thoughts are. And something has just been happening. How many of you ever have had something that you just thought, said not aloud to anybody else, but God's come through and done it, right? That's happened to me like... It's happened to me throughout my whole life, yes, but it's not been like a, 
bump, 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 consecutive and keeps on happening and keeps on happening, like in a weird way, okay? And just this last um, week, at the beginning of the week, I was studying, and I've been asking God about wisdom. Just, I want your wisdom. I want to know what you want, God. Not only for me personally, for the church. What's your wisdom? And I was driving back from Zion, with Zion from a dentist appointment, and he had um, just was sitting there, and I was drinking my drink. We were quiet, listening to the radio. And in my mind, I just said, okay, God, I know that uh, I have things to do today, but I also know I just was thinking Winter Jam's coming up for the youth kids. All their money's due on the 25th. God, give me the wisdom because you know that we're trying to be right financially with debts, with different things that are going on. And I just want your wisdom on where those funds, how to move those and do what, what should I do with it? What, what do I need to maybe not do this week to pay for those kids to go to that? Because, I mean, I got three of them, 20, 40, 60, Brandon, 80. That's not including food. Do you see what I'm saying? That's, I mean, in our reality, this world, that's maybe a quarter of week's groceries. But the fact of it is, is I'm just going, okay, what do you want me to do? I just, I said it to myself. This was Monday, okay? Didn't say it out loud. I was at the stoplight, literally two minutes, within two minutes, two minutes from my house, walked into the door. My phone rings. I pick it up and they say, am I bothering you? I said, no, I just got home. What'd you need? Me thinking they needed something from me. They said, well, I just wanted to let you know it was laid on my heart, and I want to pay for all three of your kids to go to Winter Jam. <laughs> and I, I kind of looked around because I was like, who heard that? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, I just was saying, but God heard that. Do you see what I'm saying? They said, not only do I want to pay for them, but I want to give just a little bit of extra money for food. And I was like, Wow. And I said, you don't even know. No, you don't know. Because my, I just, I didn't even say it. Like, I just thought to God. And I wasn't, hear me, I was not asking for somebody to pay for me. I asked for his wisdom on what I needed to do to do it. I wasn't trying to be a taker mentality of, oh, God, give me an, oh, God. No, what do you want? What's my part? What do we need to do to do that? We come down to this weekend, and little things have happened here and there. We come down to this weekend. It had snowed. Snowed more than last week than what Pastor Brandon and Mondrell scooped the parking lot by hand. And I knew in my mind that that was going to be a lot of hard work. Not that I don't mind doing the work, but that's a lot of footage to scrape thicker snow. So I see Brandon and Zion, they get their stuff on and their gear, and Brandon's going to take Zion, and I knew, and I thought in my mind, I actually, let's go back. That morning when I woke up and I looked outside, it was early morning, and I was like, oh, it did snow more than what it was. Not a ton, but I know the parking lot's going to need it. It's really cold, so we're going to have to get that done. Brandon and Zion get ready to leave, and I said, well, why don't you call um, Ron, because he said he knew a guy last year that he could hook us up with to pay to get the lot done because the last time we hired somebody they charged us out the wazoo and it wasn't done right all of our gravel that was over there was in piles in the snow and we it just it was a lot 
and wisdom financially for the church, I'm sorry, but I don't want to spend every time it snows over $500 to scrape a lot. That's dumb. So I said, and I'm like, okay, God, you know. So I said, why don't you just call around and ask him the guy's number who we can call, okay? Several hours go by. I know that Brandon and Zion had been shoveling other people's walks, doing different things. And as Brandon's driving to the church, he picks up his phone and calls Ron. Ron answers, and he says, hey, I was just wondering about getting connected with the person who you had said can shovel the church. And Ron said, hold on one second, Brandon. And Brandon's like, okay, because he's a busy man. He said, oh, wait, there. And Brandon goes, there or what? And he said, it's already done. I came and did it this morning. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That when you get in God and you give him control of all things, that even your thoughts that you think, you give him control of all things. And you begin to say, what is your will in all things? What he does is put the will to work. And then he says, then on top of it, whatever you ask in my name. All things. I'm trying to tell you it moves the heavens. When you get in God, it upsets the heavenlies to move on your behalf. Romans 8, 27 through 28 says all of our thoughts are known to God. He can understand what is in the mind of the spirit and the spirit prays for God's people. We know that God is always at work for the good of everyone who loves him. They are the ones God has chosen for his purpose. But the key is that is everyone who loves him. The only way you truly, and I'm going to be honest, the only way you truly love God is when you choose to be in him. Love is not a flippant word that can be used. Not even with God. God desires to move the heavenlies on your behalf. But to position yourself in God is to love God. And to love God moves God. To position yourself in God is to love God. And to love God moves God. Psalm 97, 10 through 12 in the Amplified says it this way. You who love the Lord. You who love the Lord. And I believe this is, this, is a, this is a challenge and a decree to you today. You who love the Lord hate evil. He protects the souls of his godly ones, believers. He rescues them from the hand of the wicked. Light is sown like seed for the righteous and illuminates their path. An irrepressible joy is spread for the upright in heart who delight in his favor and protection. Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous ones, those who moral and spiritual integrity places them in right standing with God and praise and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. See, you cannot have or live a love-hate relationship with God. You can't just love God and hate other things he requires of you. You can't live love-hate with God. It's love, love, and more love, and giving into more love, 
and, and I want to love your words. I love your words that you say unto me. I love your decrees. I love the discipline that you are teaching me. Even though it's not easy, I don't want to hate it, God, because when I hate it, it means that I don't comply to it. I want to love what you're doing in me. I don't want to love-hate relationship with you. It's one or the other. If you don't believe me, Matthew 6, 24 says, No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, which includes money, possessions, fame, status, or whatever is valued more than God. Can live love hate with God. A life lived in God is reflected by the love for Him expressed outwardly through the mannerisms that you display to the world around you. Again, whatever my life is invested in is what will yield the return. If I want to see cycles broken and things change, I have to invest in breaking those cycles which means I have to put in the work. I have to allow my life to be changed inside out, flipped around, and literally depleted of every bit of me in order for him to be seen. I have to give him all of me, not just part of me. I don't want to serve God part-time part to where he only has partially my focus, partially my intentions, partially my heart. I don't want to get to heaven and be like, well, I served you part of the time. No, I, I want to be able to say, I devoted myself to you. Yeah, I messed up at times. Yeah, I failed at times. But in the end, my full focus was saying, you can have that too, so fix it. Fix that, God. Help me change so I don't keep repeating the same cycles, the same thing. Christ did not come to just live in us and conform to our fleshly lives. We've got it wrong if we think like that. Our desire should to be, be to live fully inside the will of God so he can break the cycles we live in and truly make something new. You've got to flip the focus and live a life that is turned inside out for God.